Hey, I've been uh, teaching on this idea of living stones, and uh, this message is seriously aimed at demolishing a stronghold that exists in our culture. Uh, the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 10 that, that uh, there are strongholds that are raised up against the knowledge of God. In other words, there are things that are happening in culture, ideas or mindsets or paradigms that, uh, that are really not moving in the direction that God wants us to move as God's people. And the, the stronghold that I am after uh, watching it get destroyed is the stronghold of the great resignation. It's not a healthy thing. It's not helping our, our country. Uh, it's not helping people who are trying to run businesses. It's not helping church. It's not helping in, in any way, shape, or form. And there's just become this tidal wave of 4 million people plus are quitting their job every month. If you want to get a repair uh, done on something you own, it's likely going to take a whole lot longer than it ever took before because of worker shortages, because of manufacturing shortages, because people have quit. Um, if you drive onto a bunch of car lots, uh, you will see that there's very few new cars. And I read an article uh, just this past week where cars that are new are being jacked up in price way beyond the manufacturer's suggested retail price because people are desperate for new cars. It's not helping us. And uh, uh, lots of people have just dropped out. They've dropped out of work. Uh, they've dropped out of productivity. They've dropped out of church. And I've been talking about this for a while, and I just want us to recognize it for what it is. It's, it's an evil force that is not helping you. It's not helping your church. It's not helping the United States. It's not helping us in any way. And I think... I think we ought to rebel against the great resignation. That's what I think. And so, so you know, who knows what's caused it? You know, the, there are probably a lot of driving forces. The pandemic itself has some people are, you know, still fighting through illness. Uh, the government subsidy for people that has made them go, well, if the government's going to take care of me, I don't really need to go out and, and work. Uh, out of all of this over the past couple of years, tons of businesses and churches have shut down uh, because they couldn't recover from all the shutdowns that were being forced on us. Um, I do believe that there has developed a cultural mind shift that has people retreating from interaction with other people. Um, again, I read an article this past week about um, how most concerts are having well over 20% no-shows, people who've already bought a ticket, but they haven't gone to the concert. And then some people, they're just quitting their job, hopeful to get a better job. But I just, I just want to say that this great resignation, is, it's having an impact on all arenas of life, our world, the, the church, our church. And 
I'm, I'm just continuing to issue this call to us. We are going to resign from the great resignation. Amen. We are. We're going to be done with it. And uh, I'm encouraging you to become part of the great engagement. Because uh, I believe in the midst of all of this, God wants to bring a great awakening. Who wants to see a great awakening in our church, in our, in our region, in our nation, in this world? So 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we've been kind of uh, springboarding off of these ideas. Verse 4, coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone who's been rejected by some people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the, 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 the picture is Jesus as the cornerstone of the church is the living stone. And we connected to the living stone are living stones. And I'm speaking to this strong, you know, sometimes when somebody speaks to a stronghold and it, and it hits close to home, you can take it personal. Well, do that, <laughs> but, but do it in the right frame of mind. Come on, be a living stone and not a dead stone. Right? Don't just be a rock that needs to be drug around. You be one of the living stones that's engaged. And what I want to talk about today is the idea of being fitted and built together. So this passage is telling us that uh, we as living stones are being built up which the, the Greek phrase for this could equally be translated built together. Living stones built together as a spiritual house. Uh, the, this concept of together is a strong biblical con concept. It is, you're going to find this really throughout the entire Bible but I'm going to look at a couple of verses just to kind of lay some groundwork for us. Ephesians 2, verse 21, in whom Jesus, the whole building being fitted together, somebody say fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together. Somebody say built together. You are being built together together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. I think if you're, if any of us are being honest with ourselves, the sense of God's presence that we just felt when we were worshiping together is far greater than you ever have at the house. Come on. Something about being built together literally causes us to be what we have together in housing 
the actual presence of God is so much greater than when we are isolated. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says, from whom Jesus, the whole body, is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. This is what causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Fitted together. Built together. Sometimes when you are being fitted together, there are rough edges that might need to be sanded down a little bit. Come on. Any married people know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Fitted together. Built together. There's something about together that attracts God's presence. There's something about together that attracts God's spirit. There's something about together that attracts God's power. He wants to fit us together. He wants to build us together. God loves together. Those are three simple words, but I promise you, you you've found a path to the heart of God when you get the idea that God loves unity. God loves together. And this pandemic has tried and in many ways succeeded in pushing a lot of people to greater places of isolation. People, people who used to love our church, something in the midst of this pandemic has caused them to slice off and be isolated. They haven't, haven't liked this or that or the other or just bought in to the whole great resignation idea. Something about this pandemic has fostered a spirit of division within our world. I think all of us that have any kind of concept of spiritual reality, spiritual warfare, are recognizing that here we are living in a deeply divided time in history. Republicans can't stand Democrats. Democrats can't stand Republicans. Blacks and whites are divided. Mask versus no masks. Vax versus no vax. And I'm just calling us to this. Wherever you stand on that, I just want you to recognize that the level of division 
that exists in this world has strong spiritual roots. And the same spirit of division can and does want to get its roots into God's church. Jesus says in uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 24, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house, if a church, if a business, if a marriage, if a friendship is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Division is one of the, the devil's greatest tools. Unity and together is one of God's favorite environments. And if there ever was a day for the church to be strong in unity, strong in together, this is the day. If there ever was a day for us to lean into unity, lean into togetherness, today would be a good day to start choosing to do that. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10 says, I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Do you realize how strong the stronghold is in our culture right now? Because when I read this verse, somebody is going, what do you mean, agree? You don't know how stupid they are asking me to agree. Philippians 2.2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent. Somebody say intent. Intent on one purpose. Psalm 133 says, behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil that's upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion for there, in the place where brothers dwell together in unity, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Come on, who wants to live where God has commanded his blessing? 
life forevermore. God loves unity environments. The commanded blessing, which is life evermore, Zoe life, that commanded blessing happens in a certain environment. The environment of unity. God, you and I are created in the image of God. And I want to tell you the same way that you don't enjoy walking into certain environments, but you do enjoy walking into other environments. God loves to move in the environments where he is made welcome. When the church was birthed in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was poured out and into an environment of unity. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together. Somebody say together. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit was poured out on their togetherness. The church, the supernatural church was born out of together. They, they had gathered together to pray. Coming up this Wednesday, first Wednesday prayer is going to be awesome. You know, the, the, the church in the book of Acts went from 120 people to 3,000. Leave that up for a minute because I want to make sure everybody gets the point. The church went from, three, from 120 people to 3,000 120 people in one day because of a prayer meeting. Because together in one place, people were seeking the heart, the face, the hand of God, just like Jesus told them to do. He said, wait here until I pour out my spirit. Hey, who, who's ready for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your church, in our city, in your family, in our nation. And I'm just, I'm encouraging you with every bit of encouragement I could possibly give. Come on, you got to be here for this. It's just a one-hour prayer meeting, but it's way more than just a one-hour prayer meeting. We are going to come together. We are going to worship. We are going to pray. We are going to open up our hearts and see God do something great. And this is, this is not the end of, of the prayer life growing in our church in 2022. I'm inviting every one of you guys 
to start coming to pre-service prayer. 10.45 for this second service. 8.45, I know what you're thinking, 8.45. Nobody's out at 8.45. Well, there are some people. People like me, they can't sleep anymore. We're here. But something about praying together. Is it important to pray by yourself? Yes. Is it important to pray together? Yes. Which one's more important? Both, boss. That's like asking which leg is more important when you're walking. Maybe both. And this verse, Acts 2, 1, could be translated together, they were together. Just because we're all in the same room doesn't mean we're all in this together. Hello. There is something vital, something important, something valuable, something God-honoring about together. It's a powerful force. This is Jesus, what's called his high priestly prayer towards the end of his life and ministry here on the earth. John 17, verse 20, I don't ask, Jesus is praying on behalf of these alone, the ones that were in his physical presence, but for those also who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, perfected in together, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Come on, pretty important section of Jesus' prayer for us, that we would be perfected in unity. Unity is one of God's favorite things. You know, there's, there's several environments that God loves to move into. God loves an environment of faith, right? Remember when he went to pray for a young child that had passed away and all the people were kind of going, you crazy, Jesus. And he chased everybody out of the room but the believers. Raise that child up. God loves faith environments. God loves expectancy environments. You may sometimes think, I don't have much to bring when it comes to, you could bring your expectancy. God... God loves worship, praise, positive environments. God loves team environments, unity. God, God loves environments where he is being sought out, not just for what he can do, 
but being sought out because he is worthy. Come on. Come on, Wednesday night prayer. Let's just seek him because he's worthy. Right? God loves environments where he is wanted. And you and I have the potential to be environment creators. You can, you can be a thermometer and react to what's going on around you, or you could be a thermostat and read what's going on around you and change the atmosphere, change the environment, change the situation. Please listen to me as your pastor. I am, I am, I am calling on everybody who calls this their church. You can contribute to unity or you can be a contributor to mediocrity. I think, I've been saying it, but I believe with all my heart, the day of just playing church and just showing up every once in a while, it's not about perfect attendance. Come on, it's about your heart that says, oh, we're together on this thing. Come on, you can contribute to unity or you could just contribute to mediocrity. You could contribute to division. You watch a football game, there's 80,000 people in the stands. They're all in the same room, but they ain't all with each other. Right? I keep seeing these old videos of people beating each other's head in and they're rooting for the same team and they're beating each other's head in. It's not everybody that's together in the room is together. Attendance is not necessarily alignment. I'm talking about together. I'm talking about unity. Unity is more than just getting along. Well, I'm not causing any trouble. Unity is bringing your strength to the game. To, to be together as a church family means we just live out the family thing together. Right? If it's too cold in the room, we just learn to bring a sweater. If it's too hot in the room, keep your clothes on. <laughs> Sweat it out. Hopefully we won't get there. Hey, come on. Unity together, it's combining our strengths. It's combining our gifts. It's combining our presence. It's combining our resources. It's seeing that I have a vital role in God's great church impacting the planet. I have a part to play in being used by God to fulfill his heart, 
His, if he loves unity environments, then I'm going to cooperate with what he loves. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one has something to offer. That's what the Bible says. Everyone is gifted to be a contributor, not just a consumer. I, I'm saying to you, a call to together is not just a call to be passive. It, it's active engagement. So we can all lean in to unity. When our church is praying, we pray. When our church is giving, we give. When our church is trying to reach the city, we're trying to reach the city. When our church is going to the nations, we're helping go to the nations. We're going. You know, the Bible teaches that love is the perfect bond of unity. Colossians 3.14 says this, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. For a lot of years, I used to think vision was the perfect bond of unity. That when we all could see a direction that we were headed in together, that vision would unify us. And in one sense, that can has some truth to it. Because how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Right? So you got to have some level of uh, 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 the same vision for our church or the same vision. When you get married, you want to make sure you and the person you're marrying have the same vision for life. If one of you wants to love Jesus, serve Jesus, be involved in church, and the other one doesn't, you're just setting yourself up for a ton of heartache. And I, I don't mean that mean. Now, some of you might say, well, that's who I married. What do I do? When, when you said, I do, you're done. Figure it out. Work it out. Come on, you get, learning to walk together with the same vision is vital. But can I just say that love goes beyond vision? Because when you're walking in love, not everything that's going on is happening just the way you want it. To go on. Hello. But you could still choose to play team. You could still choose to get along, to walk in in unity. Love allows for differences. I, I, it's tragic to me. I mean, it literally is tragic to me that people 
we helped and ministered to for years would walk into a service and say, I am offended because somebody sitting on the other side of the church didn't have a mask on or vice versa. And I'm thinking, if you love the house, you could overlook that. Hello. You can, you can be right or you can have relationships. Come on. At my funeral, somebody better say that because it's a lesson to learn. Love is not making big things out of small things. To walk together in unity is not a feeling. Hello. Love is not a feeling. It might create a few feelings. To walk together in unity is a decision. I am going to learn how to not be so isolated, how to not be so obnoxious. This, that's not even in my notes. So somebody needed that one. Anybody ever been obnoxious? <laughs> Come on. We all have. It, it's a decision. Love is a decision. Unity is a decision. I'm, it's not a feeling. You, you got to want it. The, the enemy's tactic to destroy unity and togetherness often shows up in an offense. Something that doesn't quite suit our preference. And I want to say, love is, love is not just this decision. Real love has some kind of fire in it. In other words, it's not much of a marriage if there's not some passion somewhere. Come on, somebody. Unity says, I, I'm not, don't tolerate my church. I love my church. Together says, I love my church. So we're going, we will pray together. We will serve together. We will give together. We will reach out together. We will move forward together. A house divided will not stand. A house united will always prevail. I'm going to say, if there ever was a day for God's church, for our church to be united and strong, this is the day. Come on. Hey, can we pray together for a minute? Father, as we come before you today, I'm asking you to help us. Lord, we all have our opinions, our preferences, our ideas, and 
we just bring them all before you and say we are more committed to walking together, to creating an environment that the Holy Spirit can be poured out in than just having our own personal preference being recognized. We are willing to put all that aside to say, God, we want to see a great awakening of your spirit, of salvation, of power, of grace, of mercy poured out and into this earth. So Father, I'm praying for every person in the room, listening online, God, that you will give us the grace to learn to walk together. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, we're gonna be done in just a minute. I just wanna give an opportunity, maybe you're here today and you have never actually surrendered your life personally to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you can look back on days or a day when you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today. And you know something has gotten in the way. Maybe you've made a bad decision. Maybe you've drifted. Who knows what's happened? But today would be a great day for you to come home. Or maybe you just don't feel confident. I want you to feel confident. Your life is in the hands of an amazing God. So nobody's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a minute more today. You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I wanna surrender to Jesus, or I wanna come back to him, or I just wanna know for sure I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high all over this room and just say yes. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Just say yes to Jesus. Anybody else? God bless you. Come on, just lift your hand. Just open your heart. God bless you. Anybody else? Just in a moment to surrender, to say yes to Jesus. Thank you so much. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. This is for everyone that lifted their hand, but I'd like for us all to pray it out loud. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life. I open my heart to your love and to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.